So you mentioned hang. Yeah. So I had never even heard of hang in my whole life before I met Tracy. <laughs> She's laughing right now because <laughs> like, I don't know when she told me, maybe it was quite early in our relationship or one of our dates or whatever. She was talking to me about how she would go out hanging. And I was like, wait, what did you, what is that? <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> and she's like, you know, haven't you seen like, hey, when you're driving on the highway or on like a movie or something? I'm like, yeah, but I don't know what it is or what it's for. <laughs> and I certainly didn't know it was a verb. With your host, Brian Keeney. This is the place to hear from members of the Sault Ste. Marie community and beyond. We're on a mission to give local voices a platform to share their stories and experiences. Whether it's supporting small business, discussing local politics, or tracking real estate trends, find it all on the Sioux Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Sioux Podcast. Today, we have the privilege of hosting a distinguished guest who has dedicated his career to shaping communities and driving strategic excellence. Join me in welcoming Mr. Brent Lamming, a visionary leader with a rich background in finance, community development, and strategic management. As the Director of Community Services at the City of Sault Ste. Marie, he oversees a range of vital divisions, including transit and parking, recreation and culture, community centers, arenas, and even the cemetery. With a history of impactful roles, including CEO of Community First Credit Union and CEO Senior positions at Algoma Steel, Mr. Lamming's expertise and commitment to progress are sure to inspire. Let's dive into his insights and experiences as we explore the art of effective leadership and community transformation. Brent, it's so great to have you on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here today. So why don't you tell our viewers a little bit about the work you do at the City of Sault Ste. Marie and the impact that it has on the community and anything else you want to share? Well, currently in my role at the City of Sault Ste. Marie, I'm the Director of Community Services, so it provides a wide spectrum, as you've noted in the introduction. So we're really busy on on a day-to-day basis with our transit and parking area, making sure people are getting to where they need to go. Within our arenas division, we have had some exciting change just recently with our new Twin Pad Arena in the west end of the community called the Northern Community Center, some addition there. The cemeteries also had a recent addition with a new mausoleum. We've done some great work in the marinas division with a new boardwalk, which you probably see right down in the heart of the marina. Right? right. So it's allowing people to travel right around the full boardwalk, which we're very happy to see. And within the recreation and culture division, there's always exciting things happening with respect to the John Road pool, the Ermertinger site, and our senior center. Yeah, you listed off a lot right there. And as people already know from the show, I've spent about a year so far living in the Sioux, and those are all names that I've definitely heard of before. I will admit that I don't know the details on what's going on with each of those infrastructure developments and also how the community is sort of engaging from a public opinion standpoint on each of those developments. So maybe you could talk about what's going on with the downtown plaza. I read an article in the Sioux today about how they're trying to work out a appropriate name for the downtown plaza or something. Does that fall into your division or is that a different division? I can probably dive into that a bit, but I'm more on the farmer's market side, but I could probably speak to that as well because they're quite intertwined, those two projects. Okay. Why don't you tell me about those two projects? Right now, there's a big development downtown for everyone that's likely aware with respect to a farmer's market that on my side time, I'm the chair of the mill market, which is now known as the Sioux Market as part of the rebrand, moving from Canal Drive to 73 Brock Street, which is adjacent to the new downtown plaza. Okay, It's a pretty cool project for lack of a better term with respect to the vendors coming into a brand new renovated building, have 40 booths there. We've had a lot of government support from the different various levels of government, and they're going to have some nice construction with some post and beam booth structures that's right there. Fully utilize the space really well to make sure that it fits well within the building, and it flows to the outdoor patio where we have five mobile retail units. Three of them will be food vendors, and they'll be announced shortly who they will be. And there's also retail units for business activity. That's in the heart of the plaza in the lower room, so that'll be open more than the market days, and we're 
also looking at potentially expanding our market days as well in the new location. And how do you feel this is going to potentially positively impact the local economy here in the Sioux? I know that there's been a lot of unfortunate trends over the last several years of sort of a declining economic activity in the region, but it sounds like the investments that are being made could help address some of that to some extent. Absolutely. From the farmer's market perspective, we've had a lot of businesses that actually started and moved on to bigger and better things. You've probably heard of places like Creation Corner and businesses that have started within the market and now have gone out into mainstream businesses. And we have a lot of long-term vendors that have been there for many, many years. Some people know this and some don't, that we can attract anywhere from 1,000 to 4,000 people on a Saturday, which is quite wow. substantial with a population of just north of 70,000. And we get that regularly. We are also open Wednesdays as well. And so we have smaller traffic there, but we're hoping to drive that change positively moving forward where we can be open maybe longer hours, extended hours, and then for special markets throughout the season. And that's where the partnership with the city will help with the downtown plaza where we can be open for special events to help the success of the plaza and vice versa. So common sense question, who ultimately gets to name it? I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of opinions about what it should be named, but somebody ultimately has the responsibility to make that decision and ultimately sign off on it. Is it a group of people? Is it like one person? Yeah, I think that's probably a group decision. Tom Ver, who I work with very closely here, oversees the plaza project and we have a number of sponsors. We have well in excess of a million dollars, probably the largest supported project in Sault Ste. Marie that I'm ever aware of that has been completed for the plaza project. There has been a lot of challenges that's been put publicly around the plaza, but there's also been a lot of support for it as well. And that's why our council supported that decision to move forward on the plaza build. So there are a couple positive things that happen there naturally with respect to the skating pad that'll take place from late fall. It'll allow us to open up quite early compared to some of the traditional times with our other rinks. And then that'll go through the winter season. In the summer season, there's an interactive fountain. There's also play structures. There's a stage that can broadcast things. We have some exciting things planned for the mobile retail units as well to help augment that. We're looking at things from programming with respect to having people go there for lunch after for a social atmosphere after work later in the week, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. So there's some things there that are pretty intertwined with the farmer's market and the downtown plaza, as you say right now. And to answer your question, I don't have an answer of what that name would be for the plaza. I think that's still to be determined, but there are some pretty prominent individuals and businesses that sponsored some of the major structures and they will have those featured for those amenities. Great. Well, all of that sounds really exciting. And it reminds me of how back when I was still living in Mississauga, we had this section of the downtown core called Celebration Square. And they had this little pond where it was like written on the city's website that yes, you're allowed to jump and play in the water and stuff. And they would have these movie nights where people could just go sit in the grass and the city would put on like there's big TVs all around and play these movies and stuff. It feels good to have a nice, spacious, well-designed, well-kept place for communities to come together. Like when you were talking about how it sounds like there's going to be some kind of stage or performance area that could attract artists and invest in our culture and have concerts and stuff like that. It could really breathe some life into the city, at least from how you're describing it. Yeah. You know what the timelines are for stuff like this? Yeah, for sure. Right now they're looking at launching, I should start first is going to be the farmer's market, the Sioux market looks to open if everything falls into place here in the next couple of weeks, the grand wow. opening date is August 26 for the farmer's market. So we'll know for sure later this week. We just have some things that are finishing. If you're seeing on site, we're finishing the west side of the building right now. We have the final two mobile retail units to put in place. Yeah. And so there's some work to be done there. And we'll know later this week, we'll firm that up. The target date for the farmer's market is August 26, which is a Saturday market. And it's the busiest day that the market has. So that's what we're aiming for. It's an ambitious goal. And then following that, I'd have to defer to my colleagues to see what the plaza opening date is, but that would allow for the lower room of the plaza to be open.
open and the farmer's market. And then the date will be scheduled following that for a grand opening for the Fall Plaza. That sounds cool. Probably the biggest project we've done in the last 30 years that I'm aware of, and that's the new Twin Pad Arena known as the Northern Community Center. We had the soccer pitches in the Senior Center, and it was quite a lofty goal with staff and council, and they made the decision to move forward on the expansion of that facility, and it's been very well received by the public. So that new facility has two indoor NHLA surfaces. It has a walking track around the larger side of the arena. We have multi-use rooms, which we've had partnerships with Ogoma District School Board on. We also have a bar serving area for major events and games that we can open at the same time as well to support. We've also signed a contract with Sioux College for all their men's and ladies hockey games to take place there. So that's the home rink. So we have every rink covered. We have the Sioux Thunderbirds out of the John Rhodes Arena. We have the Sioux College Cougars out of the new Northern Community Center. And we have another team named the Sioux Greyhounds, who you've probably heard of that operate out of the GFL Memorial Gardens, which we're proud to have all three of those major teams play in the city facilities. Great. That sounds really exciting. In transit, we're undergoing a plan now for a revitalization plan in transit here to start to electrify some of our vehicles that we have right now. So we're just waiting on final approval from Investing in Canada Infrastructure Program to get approval. And then we're going to be ordering some electric buses. We have two that we can order right away. So that'll help revitalize some of the fleet. We've purchased a number of conventional buses and parabuses over the last number of years. So we used to have the oldest fleet in Canada at about 13 to 15 years. Now with some of this investment, we're now down to a reasonable area of five to seven, which is more reasonable. Our mechanics have done a great job of making sure that we have the service. In a busy year, we'll have 1.9 million rides and we took a drop during COVID, but now we're gearing back to driving towards that ridership with a lot of newcomers to the city that are really open to using transit and also the post-secondary schools of Sioux College and Ogoma University. We signed a universal pass arrangement just recently with Ogoma University, which allows them to have bus passes as part of their student union fees right now. So Hmm. all the individuals at Ogoma University can ride transit as part of their student fees. We've also have some pilot projects going on with both the Ogoma District School Board and here on Superior Catholic District School Board, supporting their life skills programs and newcomers to the community where we offer bus passes, bring buses to the school, teach them how to use the bus, plan a trip, and allow them to get used to transit because that's the future ridership as we move forward. And the last pilot that I'll speak to in transit is a partnership with the Seniors Active Living Centre that we have on both Bay and at the Northern Community Centre to educate them on how to use transit to get to programs. So with respect to them attending a program, they get a discount on a transit pass, a 75% discount if they're going to a program. We also show them how to purchase a pass, educate them how to plan a trip and get around town. So that's something new that we're doing as well. Great. Yeah. From everything that you're saying, it sounds like the city is investing quite aggressively in revitalizing the community and also priming itself for the amount of immigration we're seeing into Canada, right? Like, of course, Canada is accepting about a half a million new Canadians every year. And I don't know to what extent how many of them are landing in Sault Ste. Marie and settling here, but it sounds like efforts are being made to ensure that the infrastructure that we have here is ready for economic growth if and when it does happen. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Some of the things that we've also done to augment that is some of our parks revitalization. We've been lucky. We've had some great community partners with Anna Marinelli Park and Rosedale Park to revitalize those space. We look to do more of that going forward. You'll see quite soon there that we're installing a zip line. It'll be our second one in Sault Ste. Marie in Rosedale Park. Also with some other play infrastructure servicing all different types of ages and accessibility features incorporated into that. In the west end of the community at Manzo Park, we've just breaking ground now on building our second splash pad here in Sault Ste. Marie. So we're trying to make sure that we have things spread out and as you say, make sure that there's things for people to do when they come to the Sioux because that's our 
our goals. You want to make sure your families have something to do while they live here. And then as you're a testament, you've relocated yourself yeah. here, your family to Sault Ste. Marie to kind of get out of the, maybe some more of the urban centers to move to rural places where cost of living is, is still manageable compared to maybe some other locations. I know costs have gone up here, but you can still raise a family here and purchase a home and have good opportunities here for work, as you see with some of our employers. For sure. Yeah. It's as you say, like cost of living in places like Toronto, even if you can afford it, it doesn't make sense to do it, right? Because you can have a significantly higher quality of life for the same or lower costs just by leaving Toronto. People work hard for the money that they earn and they don't want to see all of that evaporated in unrealistic, unreasonable costs when they could easily just drive a few hours out of the city. Sault Ste. Marie, what is that, like a seven, seven and a half hour, depending on how fast you drive. Yeah. I mean, you're not flying to another country or anything like that. It's still reasonable. So I feel like I haven't gone that far away and all I had to do was drive about eh, seven hours and it's like a completely different cultural and economic landscape and I'm very happy with the decision that I made. So yeah. I couldn't agree more. I'm a living example after I was finished university. Let's just say a number of years ago, I relocated. I've lived in London and Hamilton and Barrie yeah. and made my way back. One of the best decisions I made here was with our primary employer here in Sault Ste. Marie for 10 years at Algoma Steel. I loved my time there and got to do various roles and within a community here, I've been the fortunate to do three great roles here with Algoma Steel and then Community First Credit Union as a CEO though. I was very proud with my time there and now with the city of Sault Ste. Marie. Any type of positive change, I'd like to be involved with things like that to can help improve the city and that's why I'm in the role I'm in right now and enjoy every minute of it. Well, you touched on a few different roles there, so I'll work backwards. What does Community First Credit Union do? I know you're not there anymore, but when you were there, because I've very tangentially heard of the name, but I have zero information about them besides that. I'll give you a bit of a history on how that came to be. It used to be Algoma Steelworkers Credit Union, and then they went through a rebrand because it primarily serviced uh, Algoma Steel employees, and then it switched, and they had a couple name changes and went to Community First Credit Union. And then while I was there, I actually served on the board for three years before I became CEO. At the time, I was in with Algoma Steel and various capacities in the finance and operations managerial roles. And then I was asked to apply to become CEO of Community First Credit Union, went through the process and was successful. I'm very proud of my time there. And we went through and one of my primary goals coming from the board was to find a merger partner because at that time, a lot of the smaller credit unions, we had about $500 million in assets, were looking to merge with bigger partners. And so I kind of knew going in that it might not be a long-term role, but it was one where we could hopefully make sure that the future of the credit union would be solid here in Sault Ste. Marie. And I reached out to your neighborhood credit union and the rest is kind of history. I stayed on in a strategic role there and through the transition. And then once that was complete, I made a transition over to the city of Sault Ste. Marie. Gotcha. But what, I guess my question was more so, what is it that they do for the community? Like how do they different from your usual everyday chartered bank, like RBC, TD, BMO? Like when you go to a credit union, my understanding is that's like a bank. Like you go there, you can open an account, but to what extent is it different? Like how does the everyday average Sioux have a different experience with going to a place like Community First Credit Union versus going to like TD? Yeah, great question because everyone that works at a credit union gets that question all yeah. the time. So here locally, we have two credit unions. So we have Community First Credit Union. Now yep. the new name is Your Neighborhood Credit Union through the merger. We also have Northern Credit Union. Both have very long, deep roots here in Sault Ste. Marie. And people that belong there are very proud to be there because you're actually a member. You have a member share in a voting right within what happens. You elect your board of directors, which I had the privilege of being on for a number of years. Wow. And so you make the decisions locally 
locally and still even with respect to some of the larger credit unions, you still have a larger voice than say with the Royal Bank, TD Bank, Scotiabank. You can own a share, but it's not necessarily the same ease that you have the influence as you do in a credit union type of betterment. So the deposits are still insured through your accounts, through Deposit Insurance Corporation of Ontario. So you do have security there as well. And they do things more on a local level, I would say, in some regards. Not to say that the banks don't, because I have worked in the banking industry before. I worked with Scotiabank and TD Bank years ago. It's just a different way of approaching it because they do have good corporate giving programs as well. The credit union may operate more nimble on a local level for donating for specific causes in that regard. Gotcha. So it sounds like if somebody wants to keep their banking local and feel like they have a deeper connection with their small town community, they can bank in an environment that meets that desire rather than going to one of the big international banks. Yeah, it offers yeah. a very good viable alternative yeah. to the banking if there's something that you want to deal local level, the credit union philosophy, that's where that's based on. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Now I'm starting to understand a little bit better. Okay. Yeah, no problem. I think another thing that our viewers would be curious to know about you rather than the city is what sort of personally inspired you to dedicate your career to community development, strategic management, investing in our culture and that sort of thing, like the story that led you to that. And I understand you talked about your previous employment roles, but you know, everyone finds their passion for something at a point in their life, not necessarily sitting behind a desk, but it's cultivated through an experience or a series of experiences that you have, which develops a desire to do something like this. I imagine there's a story there. That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up in the West and attended Armour Public School, went on to Cora Collegiate. I think my drive started from a young age. I had some great role models growing up. My family probably as well-known Lamings Farm in the West End. Wow. Uh, been here for many generations. We used to have some relatives that were Rees of Cora Township way back in the day before I joined with Sault Ste. Marie. I've always looked up to my father and my uncle, who I work with on the family farm, and that was my Uncle Jack. Uh, he was overseeing the family farm. He was working in the fields every day, and I had the pleasure of doing that as a child growing up. And my father also worked at the city a number of years ago, so looking to see what they were doing to drive positive change in their areas. So at a young age, I was driving a tractor, uh, 12 or 13. My wife always kind of jokes about that, saying that's awfully young. I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> I remember it well, doing haying on the family farm and just working around that and having hard work ethic from there. I think that's where my passion started for working hard and trying to do well. Went on to go to school here locally at Oklahoma University in my post-secondary and then went on into the banking industry in Southern Ontario, worked for TD Bank, then went to Scotiabank, various roles in different towns. And then it kind of came up out of the blue one day where my wife said, there's two postings at Ogoma Steel here. And I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, never knew you wanted to go back to the Sioux. And she says, oh, I would consider it. Uh, and I always kind of <laughs> wanted to come back to the Sioux because I love the Sioux. And I said, my wife was pregnant with our first child, Kira. And uh, I said, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it now. So I put my name in. Ogoma Steel flew me up and the interview went very well. And I worked there for 10 years. It was a great experience working there. And I also have another child, my son, Josh. They're both now 16 and my daughter's going to be 18 here very soon. So that's fast forward for me being back here now, almost 18 years here in Sault Ste. Marie. And I love being back here. It's a great place to raise our children. We're heavily involved. My wife's coached gymnastics here locally for many, many years. I've coached hockey going on my 12th year. So heavily involved from that. Served on a few boards. So I've always kind of been involved in the community from not only a work standpoint, but from a personal standpoint. So it's always been kind of my passion to be involved from different aspects, from the kids' sports to kind of giving back as well and trying to do positive things for the community. So I think in each job I've had, I've tried to have that kind of slant. I'm always proud of where I'm from and always proud to try to represent the Sioux and make sure positive things happen here. I'm a big believer of cultivating talent here locally and saying that just because we're from the Sioux doesn't mean that we can't do it. And also at the same time, welcoming people to the community to help 
help develop things as well. So it's a bit of a balance when you're doing projects and trying to do positive things. But if you have the goal of trying to do something positive for your community, it benefits everyone. And trust me, it's not always positive or rosy when you're taking on a project. A lot of times you'll hear negativity. So you got to try to take that with a grain of salt because you got to respect everyone's opinions. And if you're trying to do positive change, hopefully people see that. They might not agree with what you're doing always. But if you have the goal of trying to do something positive while you're doing something, you can't lose sight of that. Yeah, I'm starting to see the relationship between where you came from and the work you're doing now when you talk about how you were working on a farm at the age of 12 or 13, driving a tractor at the age of 12 or 13. And then now at this stage in your career, you are building the infrastructure or vendors at a farmer's market to sell to the community. It's like, you're still a farmer. You're just now like a corporate farmer. Yeah, I can wear my uh, jeans and, uh, and work boots pretty well, but I also yeah. have uh, a few suits. And yeah, yeah. I kind of had a combination going through, like I love that aspect, but I yeah. did not necessarily want to pursue a career yeah. in farming, but yeah, I was no. fortunate to get my business degree and then get my accounting designation yeah. and some other things as well with respect to banking. But I find it's led me well with people that are either working for you or doing things with you. Make sure you try yeah. to treat them with respect. Never take anyone for granted yeah. because there's a lot of individuals that you deal with that if you don't respect what they're doing, they won't work for you. It's hard to lead in a capacity yeah. if you don't have respect from individuals. So I've done some jobs that were very challenging. I've cleaned chicken coops. I've worked in <laughs> barns and I've also worked around the corporate table. So I have a bit of perspective, even from yeah. my Algoma Steel days, working out in the mill and leading some areas there that there's jobs that people do that aren't easy for sure. Yeah. So you mentioned hang. So yeah. I had never even heard of hang in my whole life before I met Tracy. <laughs> She's laughing right now because <laughs> like, I don't know when she told me, maybe it was quite early in our relationship or one of our dates or whatever. She was talking to me about how she would go out hanging. And I was like, wait, what did you, what is that? <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> and she's like, you know, haven't you seen like, hey, when you're driving on the highway or on like a movie or something? I'm like, yeah, but I don't know what it is or what it's for. <laughs> and I certainly didn't know it was a verb. <laughs> so she explained it to me. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I can explain it to the audience, but I'm guessing most of the people listening already know what it is. <laughs> yeah, we used to have a lot of fun with living out the country in Hain, as the term you say it, getting people from the city that never done it. And they could yeah. be boys that work out and very strong. Yeah. But after one day wearing short sleeve shirts and getting cut up on their arms and stuff, their yeah. whole new respect for what manual labor is versus working out in a gym. That's always been a fun story that we've shared. Yeah. Hi everyone, it's me, Tracy again. We hope you've been enjoying this episode. If you're a content creator, real estate agent, or really just about anybody who embraces the power of great content, then I encourage you to visit tracyalberta.com. That's T-R-A-C-Y and Alberta like the province.com. On my website, you can learn about my and Ryan's editing services, film production, aerial photography, and much more. Okay, back to the episode. I know that there's going to be viewers out there who are curious to know what role does community engagement play in driving successful projects and programs? That's a great question, and we see it more and more with every project that we do with respect to the community and consultation that happens for projects and not just doing what we think is best. So it'd be easier if we could just plow ahead and do every project, but it's very important, especially if it's impacting a neighborhood or a certain area or the whole community at large, that we're engaging the public to make sure that the decisions are informed. It doesn't always mean that it goes that way with the final decision, but it's important to make sure that we're reaching out to the people. So I'll give an example. I spoke to it earlier, the revitalization of Rosedale Park. And without respect to that project right there, we had an open house. We have actually had two. One was a barbecue and for neighbors coming out and the other one was the actual open house. We put the concept of what the change 
change for the local park would be like. We had good turnout at that open house. A lot of questions were asked. Where would people park? What's the proximity to my house? Is this going to impact me negatively? Those are some typical questions that get asked. And so a lot of feedback was garnered out of that. What type of play structures would be there? What are the accessibility components that could happen within that playground? Is there any other features with respect to tobogganing? Because in that particular park, there was a berm. So we talked about expanding that. So sliding could happen easier for the neighborhood children. And so we gather all that information and then we go out to make sure our purchases are done, that they're in alignment with what the decisions are made. Through that process, we also developed a small little parking lot. So we had an area for people to come that aren't even in the area if they wanted to use the space because this park will be more of an amped up park for lack of a better term here because it has some more features than some of the other parks we have. And I don't know if most people know this, but we have 78 parks in Sault Ste. Marie. Wow, I did not know that. Which is a huge number. I get this question asked lots. Said, Brent, why can't we be like Traverse City or Batoski? Their park is awesome. And I said, yes, it is. Absolutely. I said, but you have to also balance this. We have four or five flagship parks, but we also have 78, including those parks there. So we have a lot to maintain compared to one or two parks that you can do easily. So we do our best with Bellevue Park and some of the other parks there to make sure they're in great standing order and they think they service the community well. But we have a lot more parks that service many, many neighborhoods because we're spread out. Our geography is expanded across the community. It's quite large, right? It's not a condensed city. To go full circle, whenever we do a project, we try to get the consultation if it's a park or if it's a new arena or whatever it might be uh, to make sure that it's hitting the users that'll use the space. Yeah. It sounds like if people want to become involved in the community development process with the city, they can, right? There's public consultations for those people who have their ear to the ground looking out for when public consultations are happening. Those are happening from what you've described. And something else that I was thinking about as you were explaining this to me was, and this is somewhat relevant to this line of work, you know, media, would it be one of the divisions you oversee or your department where if, let's say, a local filmmaker wanted to start making movies or film TV shows or what have you and use some part of Sault Ste. Marie as the set, would they go through your department to coordinate that, to get a permit or whatever? Is that something else? Is that a different department? Again, I didn't have this question at the beginning of the interview, Mm -hmm. but it sort of came to me as you were talking about this. Yeah, no, we would definitely take the inquiry because it's our sister or brother department that handles that. So we have how the structure works in ours. It's community development enterprise services, and there's some sub departments under that. So there's community services department, the planning department, the tourism department, and economic and development corporation that all fall under that department. So with respect to film, it falls under the tourism and the community development aspect. So we would take that and help coordinate that because we're familiar with what's going on in each other's department. That's how the structure was changed a number of years ago. So we have a good insight what's happening with other departments. So we would take that and we would route that inquiry to our sister or brother department, whatever term you like to use. Yep. And we would make sure that inquiry got taken care of. But we do work closely together. We have monthly meetings, making sure we're sharing ideas and updates so that everyone's aware of what's happening. So a good example would be, say, the Queen Street redevelopment. We're not necessarily directly involved in it and the community services area, but it does impact us. So how does that impact transit? How does it impact parking? Like we are consulted on that and we have to give input back on that. There's also, there was open houses there that we attended as well to answer questions because there's a lot that goes into that decision that's made. A lot of those things that happen, we make sure we're communicating across the different departments. Yeah, it's a conversation that I've had with Tracy in the past. You know, there seems to be a lot of potential for those kinds of shows you see on like HGTV and stuff where like people are doing like a house flip or, you know, obviously the kind of development that you're involved in is like this large scale corporate and municipal development stuff. But I still think like regardless of whether it's like a residential flip show or if it's some other type of TV concept, there's a lot of opportunity in a place where there's still a lot of development going on. There's a lot of growth going on and a 
lot of small local stories going on for like film and entertainment. And I have seen a few articles floating around how like this movie or that show was like filmed in the Sioux or whatever, and it's starting to raise the profile of the town a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. I know we were watching a movie a few weeks back and it was one of the top on Netflix and it was filmed here. And my wife, Daniel, and I started recognizing some of the backgrounds (laughs) and we looked at it and went, wow, I think that's filmed in Sault Ste. Marie. And it was one of the top Netflix movies here in Canada. So it was unbelievable just to see that actually happen where you recognize some of the spots on TV and just gives you a feeling to be proud of a small city and now you have a movie filmed here and it's one of the top in Canada. It's actually wild. It's a weird feeling because when I was down in the GTA and I was watching an episode of Suits, I actually saw one of the characters was running down the street in one of the episodes. I think it was Lewis. It wasn't Harvey Specter. It was was his colleague at the office. Anyway, he's running down this sidewalk and as the camera's panning, you can see this big building in the distance where he's running. And I was like, wait a second. I've been in that courthouse. I've actually appeared in front of judges in that courthouse and I knew that Suits was filmed in Toronto but like I'd never until you actually see it where you're like whoa I recognize that background and then of course where they film some of the law firm scenes and like the scenes where they're talking in the lobby or whatever I'm like I know that building I never lived in the city of Toronto lived in Mississauga my brother lives in the city of Toronto people who live there they've grown accustomed to seeing their environment on TV and on movies and stuff like that like it doesn't really phase them but when you're in a small town and you get to see that and like you said like one of the top shows on Netflix and you get to see that it just makes you feel proud. Like, I think, yeah, you described it. It fills you with a sense of pride. So Brent, for our younger audience, what advice would you give to aspiring leaders who are looking to make a positive impact in their community and in organizations? I would say, don't be afraid to take a risk. Don't be afraid to make a change because if you're willing to take that and be okay with taking a step back or it's okay to fail because it doesn't mean it's the end of your career or your journey and what your goals are because sometimes you'll have to go sideways before you go forward. And so I've had that in my career. I didn't just get the next job that I went after right off the bat. I did numerous jobs even after I graduated from school. There was nothing here in the early mid-90s for work, so I relocated and I moved to three cities within a few years in the banking industry and to take on different roles. And so I had a goal to get to certain jobs and was fortunate to get to those roles. And don't be afraid to change even careers or shift. Like with mine, I started out in the banking industry and then I switched to the steel industry. But I used a lot of the skills that I obtained in the banking industry from the financial background, applied them into the steel mill in the finance department and used that and then gained more experience in the operations and then went out to operations in that area. So if we're willing to take some chance and then lifelong learning, if you're willing to take on extra courses or designations, I went back late in life taking my accounting designation. So I've had that over 10 years now, but I did that later in life and it was much more painful. I wish I would have done it when I was right out of university. But if you're taking things that can improve what you're doing, please, I would suggest that to the users to do it. Don't put it off. And then don't be afraid of taking a risk. Because if you have good work ethic and a skill set, people recognize that in you and employers look for that. And I know now it's a competitive landscape for hiring any type of labor because it's not the same environment. So if you can find someone that'll do that extra endeavor to put them in a spot for success and people that go uh, above and beyond, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to work 60 hours a week. The work environment's changing. You're seeing hybrid work at places. You're seeing compressed work weeks. I think employers 
employer is just looking to get the best from that employee and to make change. And I think that's what everyone's looking for. And I don't think money's the driving factor by any means for anyone anymore. It's the what type of impact is just as important and can they have quality life with their families where they're living? Yeah. Quality of life, making an impact. I definitely feel like there's a shift. This is now a primary thing. And I can echo your comments about lifelong learning, staying competitive in an increasingly competitive labor market because just recently I purchased a course online teaching people how to program, which is very, very different from what I went to school for. But I figured this is a good skill to have. And I still have my pre-existing skill sets as a lawyer, but now I'm slowly learning how to build web applications. And as different as these industries are, they're both really valuable skill sets. And it feels kind of good that like I have a diversity of skills now. I feel like even in my mid thirties, I'm sort of like upskilling myself and being able to do more and create more. And especially with things like web apps, if you just have an idea, you can just sit down and you can build it. You don't need to like try to hire a programmer or something or try to get funding to pay for that and all that stuff. You have the skill, you can do it. So yeah, definitely lifelong learning, definitely upskilling, whether you're in your 20s or in your 30s or your 40s, there's always an opportunity to learn more and develop something that maybe has absolutely nothing to do with what you went to school for. Yeah, absolutely. You want me to talk a bit about coaching? Yeah, so, well, go ahead. Sure. Yeah, no, it's just one of my passions outside of work. I grew up playing hockey here in Sault Ste. Marie, just like pretty much every boy starts out or at least used to back my generation. I'm dating my myself a bit now. But uh, yeah, I've coached for 12 years. I've had great individuals that have coached with me along the way and a lot of kids that I've been able to see them grow. And it's very strange seeing a four-year-old now turning a 16-year-old. A lot of them have still been there and how they've grown over the years. And it's interesting to see how they've changed over the number of years and how things change. Just because one player is the top when they're four or five doesn't mean they're going to be that when they're 16, 17 and vice versa. So things change and it's great to see how youth can develop and how the positive impact on sports have on kids. And that's something I hope to continue to do for at least a couple more years, at least while my son's playing. And then my wife also does the same thing with respect to the local YMCA here for volunteering her time with the local gymnastics club. So I think those things are important to make sure that you're trying to contribute at least while your kids are in the program and then even after that's done. Yeah, I do get the sense there's quite a strong hockey culture in Northern Ontario, much more than what I saw growing up in the big city. I mean, there's obviously still people who are passionate about hockey and stuff, but it's much the sense that I get. It's much more deeply ingrained in the cultural fabric of the community, which is great to see. Yes, it is for sure. We were named the hockey capital of the world. I'm not sure if we said that ourselves or not, but we had some of the major teams here with having the Sioux Greyhounds here in Sault Ste. Marie, the Sioux Thunderbirds, the Sioux College Cougars. They have the Lake Superior State Lakers that play right across in Sioux, Michigan. So not a professional franchise, but on the next level down, we definitely have a number of teams there that you can go see some great quality hockey along with our youth hockey as well. We also had the top, and this might be a plug for the Sioux Greyhounds, but we had the top junior team named a number of years ago in Hockey Canada News. If you took their top five players along with goalie, we were ranked number one with the players that were listed that came out of here with obviously there's a lot of famous individuals from Wayne Gretzky to Ron France. And if you ask most individuals here, they can name some of the key individuals that played here for a lot of years. So anyone in the world here for hockey knows their hockey history pretty well here in Sault Ste. Marie, which is also adds another dynamic to coaching and being involved with the sport. But yeah, Sioux's definitely, I would still say, a pretty sound hockey town if you ask anyone. And I think I wore a Sioux Greyhound shirt out west one time and my brother and the sister-in-law live out in Edmonton and they knew right away. And it was kind of a a joke. My brother-in-law, who's a police officer out there, he actually wore a Wayne Gretzky captain jersey to the Oilers game and he got more 
attention than anyone wearing any other jersey, Gretzky being from here. And it was yeah. uh, kind of cool to see the recognition of Sioux being on the map from a hockey standpoint. That's pretty cool. You said Gretzky was from the Sioux? Wayne Gretzky played his junior career here with wow. the Sioux Greyhounds. Yeah, so. I had no idea. Again, I'm not like a sports guy. I don't follow yeah. sports. I don't watch sports. But like, you know, there's certain names everyone just kind of knows. Obviously, Gretzky is one of them. And yeah. I had no idea that he had that history. Here. Lots of big names from yeah. Rick Tockett, yeah. Paul Coffey, Wayne Gretzky, John Van Breesburg. Lots of different names that came through the Sioux that went on to play professional hockey and did very well. Craig Hartsburg, another. I don't want to leave anyone. I won't start listing them all, but there's a few <laughs> right off the top there that come to mind. Very strong players. And Joel Thornton, I'll put a plug there. He's going to be back in town for his jersey to be retired in the near future as well with the Sioux Greyhounds here coming up this fall. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Well, Brent, it was absolutely fantastic having you on the show today. Thank you for taking time out of your busy work day to come talk to the community. And I think now they have a bit of a deeper insight into what you do with the city, what the city is doing for the community and ways that people can get involved from a community engagement perspective on that investment that's being made in the community. So yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having me today. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Sioux Podcast. Follow us on Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. And be sure to check out our website at SiouxPodcast.com. That's S-O-O podcast.com. 